following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Matthew's Gospel again, please. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. This is a quite long chapter. Several of them in Matthew's Gospel are. We are in Matthew chapter 12 and the end of it which is starting in verse 46 all the way through verse 50. And I try to take not too long of chunks of text because I want to spend some time with you to meditate on it a moment and think about what it says and not just try to rush through it and say, well, here's the point, go on to the next thing and maybe miss a little bit more riches that are there. The notes are available on the website if you'd like to look at those. I've been trying to put more of the Wednesday notes on there. Uh, It's not... Like it's too super difficult, it just I have to remember to do so and, uh, and, and, and get them into shape where they are presentable and not just, uh, you know, my own notes, but a little more in published, polished shape. Matthew 12 and verse 46, let's read. It says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Remember, the Lord also had sisters not just brothers. The family of Christ is set out here in stark contrast to the enemies of the gospel and the enemies of Christ who blasphemed the Holy Spirit, who rejected the Lord, who asked for a sign and refused to believe the signs, who criticized the disciples for eating grain on the Sabbath day, criticized the Lord for healing a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Uh, they were as far away from doing the will of God as a person could be. And the Lord pauses here and takes a moment to encourage the disciples who are gathered around him with this message that they are my brother and sister and mother. And I want to look at that with you tonight. The occasion of this circumstance is Jesus' mother and brothers were outside of the house where he was, house, building, synagogue, whatever it was, a structure. He was inside. They were outside. There was a crowd pressing around him. Here, they, you know, you could imagine if he was in here speaking, they'd be all packed in, not socially distanced, of course, overflowing out into the halls, filling up the hallways, trying to hear over the, you know, loudspeakers they didn't have, of course. But, and then his mother and brothers are outside the front door trying to get in to speak to him. And somebody comes and passes the message and and brings it up to him in verse 47, and basically says the same thing again in 47 that's said in 46, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. Um, It it does does omit a mention of his sisters. Now, his sisters uh, pop up in Matthew 13 in the next chapter in verse 56, and it says, and his sisters, are they not all with us? So uh, that's in Nazareth. So they know the sisters, the the people in the community know the sisters of Jesus. Who knows how many there are? But Jesus had four brothers. We know their names in the scriptures they're given. 
And so he had uh, four brothers and more than one sister, two, three, four, maybe, you know, several sisters, so quite a large family. It doesn't tell us what they wanted to talk to him about, does it? It doesn't say. But let me suggest something to you. Let's turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And the reason I'm going to Mark chapter 3 is because in verses 30 to 30, well, 31 to 35, Mark 3, 31, it says his brothers and his mother came standing outside and they sent him calling him and a multitude was sitting around and said, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he said, who, who is my mother and my brothers? And he looked around a circle, those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. And then he says the same thing. So this is the same incident But go back to verse number 20. Then the multitude came together. This is Mark 3.20, just 10 verses before what we were reading. The multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, I take that to mean his family, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Okay? So what's going on here? We don't know from Matthew 13 what they want to speak to him about, but Matthew chapter or Mark chapter 3, uh, it becomes a little more clear that they're not quite on board with what's happening with him, are they? Uh, so when his own people heard this, they went out to lay hold of him because they said he's out of his mind. The phrase his own people is probably a reference to his family. Now, we know that you know, the people of Jesus could be the Jews generally, right? He came to save his people from their sins. Um, but it doesn't seem that it's that general, nor is it his disciples, because they're not saying that, they're, or, nor his friends. They're sitting around him listening to him teaching. What's happening here to me, I'm, I may be making it a little too dramatic, but This family is staging an intervention for Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? An intervention? They think he's crazy. He's out of his mind. He's in over his head, so they thought. Evidently, they were deeply concerned for his physical well-being since the apostolic team and Jesus were so swamped with people and their needs and the preaching that they could not even eat a meal. They didn't even take any time off. They were working 100 hours a week, maybe, something like that. I don't know for sure, but the family was concerned. But they did not understand that he had to be about his father's business. His mission, the mission upon which he had been sent was stated for us in Luke chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. In Luke chapter 4 and verse number 43, uh, the Bible says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. He was driven by this desire to carry out the ministry that the the Father had assigned to him and he knew he had to do. Um, And at that time, by the way, We've looked at Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, now John chapter 7 and verse number 5. I won't even turn there. I'll just report to you. You remember that Jesus was about to go up to the feast and his brothers confronted him and said, you know, you should go. And he said, I'm not going yet. And they said, you know, they they were critical of him. 
And the text explains, for not even did his own brothers believe in him at that time. You know, that's pretty rough, isn't it? When your family doesn't even believe in you. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of, you know, today. You know, do you believe in your parents or do you believe in your children? Like that kind of generic, you know, believe in them, like really care for them is really what it means, love them. But here it's, it's more, than, more than that. It's a salvific belief. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe in him. They thought, you know, this guy is touched. He's just a little bit off his rocker. We need to stage an intervention for him here. Get him out of this place. Now, Jesus did have half-brothers, brothers, we'll call them for simplicity. Their names are James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. That's in Matthew 13, 55. He also had half-sisters, not mentioned by name. Since they are presented as coming along with Jesus' mother, Mary, we reasonably understand that these are his siblings, Mary's children. Okay, So I'm, I am tackling a wrong view of, uh, of Mary as a perpetual virgin, that she never had any other children. She indeed had other children, just like any normal mom would want to have children. She did and uh, with Joseph. So these are the siblings of Jesus. Of course, half-siblings, because we say half, because they didn't share the father. Uh, he did not have a father, Jesus. They were not cousins. They were not from a prior marriage. Uh, these close family relationships had some natural concern for him, but it was misplaced because of a lack of understanding of who he was and what he was on earth to do. So they were a bit naive about his circumstances. They didn't understand everything the way that they should. So that's the setting, the occasion that brings this out. And then in verse 48, he responds uh, through 50. And if you read that response... At first, it seems a little dismissive or disrespectful. Look at it, and it says in 48, But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Now, he hasn't had amnesia. (laughs) He's not being mean-spirited. He hasn't forgotten them, nor has he forgotten their names, and he's not disrespecting them, far be it from the Lord, who taught that we have to honor our father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, as we see from Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. But Jesus taught that and criticized the Pharisees for not honoring their parents when they declared their substance to be korban, that is a gift of, uh, to God, and they wouldn't then support their, their father and mother in their old age. And so he asked the question, who are they? Compared to the work that he was doing, those family relationships receded to a smaller level of importance. He was not separating from them. He was not disowning his family. But he was standing away from them in a sense by saying, what I'm here to do is far more important than the earthly family relationships that God has placed around you. You can understand this, especially if his family members thought that he was a bit off and needed their help to make it through the day. They were ignorant of the truth, naively trying to be helpful, but he said, look, that relationship is secondary to what I am doing and what the relationships are that I'm establishing with people about me here. What was more important for Jesus was to be about cultivating the relationships he had with the disciples and with the crowds that was following him. And this is where the 
kind of core idea of the passage is found in this relational idea. These non-blood relatives, as I would call them, were now truly related to Jesus because they, like he, were those who do what? Those who do the will of the Father in heaven, verse 50. So these people who are not otherwise related to Jesus, unless you know you go way back to Abraham or Shem, Ham, and Japheth or Adam and Eve, uh, we're not talking about that kind of distant relationship. They weren't related to him biologically that way, close as close relatives. But rather they became his close relatives by being those who were disciples and doing the will of God in heaven. They could truly be called brothers and sisters of Christ and of one another. You get the relational idea here? That's a very uh, unique kind of thing to Christianity, that we can be personally related to Jesus, personally related to God as children. We can be brothers, sisters with one another, and brothers and sisters of Jesus, in effect, if we, A, trust in him, B, therefore come into a relationship with him, and C, that relationship which we demonstrate by doing the will of God. So the family relationship with Christ is closer and far more important than blood relations, isn't it? You know that. You're closer to God and to Christ than even some of your, and even some of your fellow Christians than you are to certain of your family members, aren't you? Your family members seem... You know, they're special to you, but they may seem distant and not on the same, well, not on the same page, right? They're, di- they're in a different world, in a different mindset, and you, you marvel sometimes at how did that happen, that we came from the same stock, and yet I've believed in Christ and they have not, and they still are in, 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 in darkness, in effect, in blindness, and it's sad to see that, that the way they think is so secular and so materialistic and so temporal and so un, insignificant in ways. But to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are close and have and share a real union and a bond with them. Now, I want you to notice, it says here in verse 48, he answered and said, to the one who told him, about the family being present outside looking for him. And, and some of the others who were listening to Jesus would have heard him say this. And, of course, all of us now reading it have, have heard him say it as well. So maybe just think about this person. Just put yourself in, in their place for a moment. Maybe, you know, if you're that person, you brought this information and you thought it was worthy of interrupting Jesus in his ministry to those people because, why? Wow, those are his family. Those are his own people. You know, I, I, I should come and interrupt him and tell him that they're there and uh, need his attention. And uh, he thought it was very helpful and important to Jesus. And, um, you know, he thought, well, obviously those people that are out there are closer to Jesus than all these people here. I mean, Jesus is just teaching them. They're just his classroom. These are his family uh, so more significant to Jesus than the audience to whom he was speaking. But that wasn't the case, was it? Jesus saw those people in his audience as his people, as his family. 
We too might tend to think that the more special and precious relationships of Jesus were his earthly family that he grew up with for so many years. But if we think that way, the Lord says that his disciples also have a close family-like personal relationship with himself. In other words, his mother and brothers and sisters are not more important to him than his disciples are. He should be excused for ministering to the crowds because they stood in dire needs of his word. His biological family or adoptive family, if you will, already knew him and knew the truth of God. I can't imagine that they they were not intimately familiar with the truth of God. By now, he's 30 years old. He must most certainly have talked to them when he was in his teens and 20s about everything. They didn't need to have more of that. They heard everything already. They knew everything that there was needed to be known, and the Lord had to pass this truth on now to other people who had not heard of it. The crowds did not have that opportunity to grow up with Jesus. Family could wait while he finished his ministry. All of this stands in contrast, of course, to those who hated Jesus, who did not do the will of God, who did not believe in him, who demanded a sign but refused to believe the signs that they already had seen, and who were hypercritical of Jesus and his disciples. They were not included in this familial relationship. Matthew chapter 10 tells us in verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That comes becomes very practical, doesn't it? If there's a debate between husband and wife or the, the children don't want to come after the, the faith of the parents, uh, or the children are, have become a, a child has become a believer and is, but is, or wants to, but he's not willing to leave the confines of the faith of his parents if they believe wrongly and it holds them back. You have to love God more than you love your family members. That's the calling here. The reward of becoming a disciple is great, but sometimes it came at a great cost. Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone who has left house, houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Some people, as we've said often from this pulpit, have to leave their parents their families, because they ostracize them for following the faith of Jesus. And the Lord says they will have a plenteous reward when it comes time for them to leave this life. And then in Matthew chapter 25, one more familial kind of relationship passage here in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 25, 40. This is in the uh, sheep and goats judgment in Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it, these acts of benevolence in this context, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So there they are called the the brothers, the brethren of Jesus. So I want you to, to think about this now. You are able to think of yourself, if you're a believer in Christ, as his family. You have become not strangers and foreigners, but now have become part of the household of God, Ephesians 
chapter 2 and chapter 3. You are part of his family because you trust in him. And let me mention too, by the way, on the basis of this text, women can take heart because, and this is worldwide over now, okay, not just here in the West, worldwide. Women can take heart because it says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Mothers and sisters are mentioned here in the last part of verse 50. This is not an addition by modern translations to make the text egalitarian. You know, there, are, there are many of those today, the, new, the newest New International Version and some of the other versions that every time the Bible says brother, then they say they add and sisters. That's not in the Greek text. It's in the Greek text here, and I think very importantly so. There were women in the audience of Jesus and among his disciples, and they have a similar familial relationship with Jesus as the men do. You with me? Very important, on equal spiritual footing as the men, ladies. A very important concept to get. Bottom line here, earthly, biological family is important, but one's relationship with God through Christ is even more important. Jesus' family is much bigger than his biological family. And so if you stop and think, hmm, yeah, I guess he's saying we're not the top priority in his life. We're important, yes, they would know that from him, but they're not the top priority. And it's okay if your family knows that you're, they're not the top priority, but God is. And if God is the top priority, they will fall closely behind in the priority order, because that's God's way of doing things, but uh, God first, and uh, Jesus first, and that, that familial relationship with him. So I encourage you, you have, this is why we talk about a personal relationship with the Lord. He is your brother, sisters. He is your brother, brothers. <laughs> he is, God is your father, children, and uh, we have that great privilege, isn't it? Yeah, to have that family relationship with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this teaching that has opened our eyes a little bit more, a little brighter to the things of, of Christ regarding his, his family and that we can be members of it. And Lord, help us to be faithful members of your family and, and uh, look forward to being together with all of our family members at that great reunion in the heavens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good night. Thank you for joining us, especially those online. Thank you for participating. Uh, if you're from Hiawatha Bible Church, a special blessing to you. We prayed for you tonight and your pastor and all of the folks there who aren't well. And uh, we pray that soon the church will be able to open again up there. And uh, meanwhile, I uh, hope you enjoyed the services here and we can be of help to you. Let us know. Amen. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you soon.